This is the Visual Developers Podcast with your hosts, Matt Varghese and Ben Parker. From maker interviews to tutorials and more, we're here to talk about all things no code. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Visual Dev FM. Ben here, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-hosts, Lacey and Matt. Hello. Hello. And so uh, excited this week. We have an awesome interview with Bram of No Code MVP fame. And it was awesome talking to Bram. I can't wait for you to listen to that. Uh, but before we get there, as always, we start our episode out with a little bit of No Code news and roundup. And uh, we have one thing we want to talk about. I'm going to leave that till the end. It's first on our list, but I think we'll want some time to talk about that. So circling back, but we wanted to start with a card. Card has some new updates. Uh, password protect sites if you need like a simple way to make something private. And then you can set a site's update frequency to help, uh, you know, tune its performance, you know, cache expiration, that sort of thing. Uh, those are both available under published settings on Pro Plus and higher, which is really cool. It's super awesome that they released this feature, and I think that is dope. I agree. I'm really excited to see what else he pushes out because I think he's, you know, he's focusing more on card. So I think it's it's already a really great platform, and I think it's just going to get better and better. A card, he and he tweets some things too that really. You know, like the one thing he tweeted earlier this month was external data sources. I think he said something like still in the very, very early stages of planning, but the basic idea is to make card sites, make it so card sites can, among other things, automatically pull and present data from uh, other sources like Airtable, mm-hmm. um, which, hello, let's go. I'm yeah. excited about things like that. Uh, Card's got some cool things coming. I think AJ, I'm one, I'm very curious to know who AJ really is. But aside from that, I think AJ is just a really good maker, not just for no code people I'm learning because um, Ben Lazy, I've talked to you about this off air, but I have a cousin that um, is in a coding boot camp um, in Texas. And he was telling me they're like learning HTML, CSS, JS. And like, he was telling me that like he stumbled upon one of AJ's resources. He had no idea who AJ was. And so now he just literally speeds up his workflow by like, I think it's like a downloadable HTML, CSS, JS template that uh, AJ released for free. So like he is essentially skirting his homework by using AJ's clonables. So (laughs) shout out to AJ, saving everyone, no code and code alike. I love it. I love it. Uh, You know, we talked about this last week some, but Tom Beckers is back with another Webflow freebie. Um, and it's another great template. Uh, I, I don't, have you guys had a chance to look at, at this one uh, oh, yeah. that he just released? It is absolutely gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just looks so unbelievably good. It's clean and smooth and minimal. Um, I, honestly, I'm jealous. Flowbase and Tom just absolutely killing it. They so do. There, he does such a great job. And like I, I mean, I've bought more of his stuff than I've bought of anyone else's because it's it's just my absolute favorite. His style is so clean and it flows so well. So I am every time I see a new one, I'm get giddy and go check it out immediately. So good, so good. And then Bram, who you'll hear from later in this episode, he tweeted uh, a preview of something that he's launching soon called the MVP experiment canvas. And so we didn't get to ask him about this in more detail. So tweet him and ask him for more details about what this is. We're curious too. We had this long list of questions we were asking. Our conversation was so good that we didn't get to all of this, including question about this. So, uh, but looking forward to seeing what, what comes out of this because I think it, it looks really awesome. Um, and then Lottie Files, introducing .lottie, an open source file format, which is unbelievable. Um, so unbelievably cool that, that this is happening. Did you guys get a chance to check out this blog post? No, and honestly, you'll probably have to explain to me because I legitimately have not played um, with Lottie as much as I feel I should have. So why is this important? 
Lottie, body moving. Uh, so uh, makes me think of the Webflow University video. Um, shout out to our education team, uh, the Webflow education team. Lottie files are essentially After Effects files, and you export them from After Effects with a plugin called Body Moving. And then what it allows you to do is then take this video motion graphics file and incorporate it into um, a website. And this all started with Airbnb. And now you have like Lottie Files is kind of the place where they're kind of driving all of this. They have an editor, which is really, really cool. Um, so like if you find a Lottie file that you'd like on the site, you can literally open it up and change colors all these different things without having to have After Effects or any of those pieces. And then you can download it and include it in your own web project. Super, super nice. Really, really good. And so uh, they started working on a .lottie um, file. And uh, they have a blog post that kind of explains it. But they're, you know, they're working on, um, you know, a lot of different pieces for it. But you can at .lottie.io. Uh, it's an open source file format that, you know, um, it's supposed to help with compression and file size. And, and, you know, also open source is always good when we're talking about uh, resources like this and being able to um, kind of make it more of a standard. So glad to see this is happening. I think this is really cool. And if you're not using Lottie files, um, lottiefiles.com, you are missing out. Links in the show notes. You definitely what's would be a, checking that out. What's a good way to get started with this? Because I know I just saw in our Slack um, someone nominated Lottie Flow for uh, Joe Krug's Lottie Flow, which looks incredible. Yeah. Um, so Lottie Flow, correct me if I'm wrong here, is he's got a bunch of resources that are free. So if I wanted to get started with using Lottie, where should I be going to learn? Because like, like I'm genuinely asking. Lottie, Lottie Flow, Lottie Files, go grab those those pieces. But uh, link in the show notes. Webflow University has a great article on how this integrates with Webflow. If you're looking to use this with a no-code tool. Um, and I think uh, Adobe even had tweeted a resource about how to do this with Webflow, which is really, really cool. I'll find that that link in the show notes here so you can see it. But um, it's a great place to go learn about Lottie and how it works. Um, I've played with it some. You can do this. It's really cool for form submissions, like form submission, you know, the Lottie file plays. You get an animation of, you know, check this is happening. Loading files, just animations for like your maybe hero or different elements called action elements mm, that in the right. background even instead of using just a background video file, you know, using Lottie. So um, it's it's really, really cool. A great, great look. Now, here's what I will say. It can, t- it can be taxing on performance. And some people have taken Lottie and literally thrown it everywhere on a page. And I'm not saying it doesn't look cool, uh, but I it can be resource intensive. So it's kind of like the same thing with, I mean, Webflow or any other tool. Like when you have a million animations, it looks awesome, but like you really have to be thinking about not everybody has a really nice yeah. MacBook Pro that they're browsing on. And so right. you want to be mindful of the resources that you're using. But, um, you know, Lottie, so it's, Lottie, it's the animation execution itself that is causing the performance issues, not necessarily the file sizes. Because if I'm understanding correctly, I think Lottie files are pretty small too. That's correct. And they're, yeah, that's correct. But, but, you know, if you have 22 Lottie files on a page, right. Uh, well, you know, which we can all laugh about, but I've seen, you know, we've seen it in other places, <laughs> you know, um, you know, it can, it can be, and you know, I've seen pages like that that just look absolutely freaking amazing. Um, but you know, try to load it on a slower laptop and then, you know, sometimes it just doesn't work the way you want, but right. really cool, really cool format. If you're not using it, uh, please, please do, um, at least go check it out, get to learning it links in the show notes for all of this. Um, and then another thing I want to talk about, we talked about the no codies last week. So we plan for voting to open tomorrow, January 29th. We're going to extend this by a week, one more week of nominations, because um, I've had some people reach out and still needing to, to make some nominations. I haven't even had a chance to really nominate anybody myself, and I've got a few people I would like to nominate. Um, and, and so it's been a hectic week. So instead of pushing to open it tomorrow, what we're going to do is just open, extend that 
that date for one more week. So if you haven't nominated anybody for the NoCode Awards, so nocodies.com, please go check it out. Um, nominate somebody. Um, and I'll tell you the categories that we're lacking in. So um, the, the categories where maybe people haven't submitted it enough, at least in my humble opinion. And if we don't get more then we'll, we might have to kill some categories, but um, automation, there's a lot, but not enough bubble projects represented. I'd love to see more, more bubble pieces. Um, and definitely um, uh, some, some things we need there. E-commerce tools. I know uh, there's not a, been a whole lot there. Mobile app. We only have one mobile app. So if you know people who've made no code mobile apps, you know, please, please, please add that in. Um, I'm shocked that there's not more streamer content creators or visual developers. I know there's so many. We only have one visual developer. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's so many. So nominate somebody. This is all for fun, right? And we're going to recognize the people who win and who plays first, second, third. Um, And this is just about recognizing awesome people in the community. So just take the time. Uh, Just takes a couple of minutes to nominate somebody. Uh, We handle everything as soon as, you know, it comes through, it's approved. And then it ends up live on the site. And then next week we'll open voting. We'll tweet about all this, but just wanted to let you know, can I extend that out just a little bit, get a few more nominations. So, and so I don't go jump in a lake or something. So, cause uh, I don't have time to turn this voting on before. tomorrow. So, uh, so both and it's a good, it's a win-win. It's a win-win. Um, and then, so yeah, so let's go back to the first thing on our list. Um, this is this is a tweet that was recognized by us, and I don't know how many no code people saw it, but I know a couple people, <laughs> a couple people uh, mentioned it. So two tweets here: Toby from from Shopify uh, tweeted, and this is at Toby and link in the show notes. The fact that no code, low code, and headless are all becoming buzzwords literally 14 years after Shopify launch just demonstrates how little attention the tech industry paid to Shopify. And then um, uh, Misco, Michael Wong, uh, Misco on Twitter, you know, I love Webflow, but why didn't, isn't anyone giving Shopify street cred for no code? It's a really good question. And we had, we had a debate around it. Like, just like <laughs> we were sitting there talking about it. We were like, we should talk about this for a minute on the podcast. Uh, so I don't know. Takes everyone. I, Lacey, start. Cause I get, <laughs> This is kind of frustrating to me. Matt, Matt, uh, calm down. Just yeah. a minute. Um, so to me, it's one of those things. It's kind of like, I don't know. I, maybe he doesn't feel like he got the attention or that Shopify got the attention that it needed. But also I really, I put Shopify in the same category as I do WordPress. They do not position themselves as no code they position themselves as a different type of platform. It's still like DIY, but in actuality, you cannot manipulate their platform without some code. You can change layouts within constraints. You can change your, you know, color, your typography, you can add images, but really they have, you know, like, what do you call them? Like bumper lanes on so that you can only go so far on one side or the other without, you know, getting into their code. So yes, you can use their plat. You can use Shopify without code, but you cannot actually utilize a full Shopify experience. I don't think truly customizable, not using code. And so that's why I think it, yes, it is no code, but it's just as much no code as WordPress is. So it's not, it's, it's still very limited in what you can do with that. Right. right. Um, yeah. No, I think, I think you're totally right on that. I, I, um, and especially the point of like Shopify did not pitch themselves as a no code tool. Like since, since they started, they weren't like right out of the gates, like Webflow. they weren't like, Hey, we're the no code platform. And they weren't like driving the change and they weren't, you know, starting the first no code conference. Like mm-hmm. they were, on the and I say all this, and I love Shopify. I use Shopify all the time. I have Shopify yeah, Plus right. clients, um, but like I think this is a, an interesting take because like their marketing is just like not around that. They want to be around um, people that are making good products and need a place to stand up a store pretty quickly. And you know, like 
maybe the design isn't super important. You got some templates and then you have paid templates and things like that. But like the no code and low code stuff, they didn't pitch it as it. And I don't think it is because anyone that's worked in um, Shopify and tried to customize a template beyond um, the, you know, the site styles that you can natively um, customize knows that dealing with liquid is a pain in the butt. And um, if you've tried to take a, you know, a Webflow site and, you know, make it into a Shopify site, that is also a pain in the butt because of liquid. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I think Toby's take is bad if I'm being completely honest, but I, I can see why he thinks that, but, and, and it's not even like the tech industry didn't pay attention to him. They're a $54 billion market cap company right now. So um, people are talking about Shopify all the time. Shopify does a lot of really, really good stuff. I just think no code, low code does not necessarily fit the bill here as much. It is a no code tool. I, I agree, but it's just not as much as, you know, Elliot. Um, Cause I know Sergio and Toby kind of um, tweet each other from time to time about, you know, Elliot versus Shopify, but Elliot's, a, you know, a, a better example of a no code tool than Shopify is in my opinion. Ben, what do you think on this? Uh, been here recovering a uh, coder. Uh, you know, I started my career writing HTML, CSS, PHP, JavaScript. I made custom WordPress themes and I have built for Shopify and I, I can see like, like I totally get his point. Like no one's talking about how easy they made it for somebody to stand up a store. Right. 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 Like, I mean, they, in the no code space, it's not like, Hey, I no coded a Shopify store over the weekend, but I mean, really, you're like if you have an idea for a project outside of just selling merchandise, you're not going to be able to do anything, you know, with Shopify outside of that. And it, to to do that is a great platform. I mean, like you know, right between the subscriptions and all the different pieces yeah, that are yeah. available. Like, and there there's a lot of really cool things you can do with it. But mm-hmm. you know, if you're like, oh, I've got this idea and I want to build this piece and I want it to look just this certain way, well, you know you're better off trying to pick a cool Shopify theme and then trying to build no code a site that matches your Shopify theme because <laughs> you're not going to be able to go vice versa and really have the flexibility you want because I, you know, I think both of you have mentioned it, but you know, developing or trying to customize and Shopify can be a super, super, super painful experience. So I don't know. Like I get, I get the, I get like the feeling like it's kind of like, oh, well, it kind of passed us by Mm -hmm. and nobody really gave us any cred. And I mean, because they did pitch themselves as like, we're easy for like, you could start up a store like anybody could start up a store. Like I get that. But, Mm -hmm. you know, for me, when I think about the the true, like um, when you think about the the heart of the experience or or like um, the integrity of the experience, that sounds so... But, you know, it's kind of like when somebody – like if you're playing a basketball game or or any sport and somebody kind of – they kind of break the rules. They don't keep the true spirit of the game. Like, well, they didn't really cheat, but it's not really how we we play this, this game or we do this thing, right? Um, you know, it's the same thing with Shopify and no-code. Like if I think about building a true no-code experience or, or anything, like the first thing I don't think I, – I don't think of Shopify. It doesn't come to mind. Right. You know, I think of – all kinds of other tools that I can go do awesome things with. But, you know, I, I have had clients approach me like, Hey, I want to build a, an e-commerce site. And I think Shopify is my platform and it's because they've seen it and they've enjoyed the experience as far as controlling the inventory and shopping. Mm -hmm. Like I I get that piece. So I, I don't know. I just don't know if I could truly classify it as a no code tool either. So they, they did a really good job at abstracting like, abstracting the complicated pieces and making commerce a more accessible option for all of these makers. And I think they've enabled a bunch of people that probably couldn't have been able to sell before they they're able to sell now and make a living. And I super respect that. I respect Toby a lot. I think I look up to this dude a lot. I would love to have him on the podcast one day, but um, I just think that Probably not after this part. <laughs> uh, I don't know, right? Toby's not going to come on after I say I disagree with him. But um, yeah, I just <laughs> I don't. don't I, just, so. I, I don't think that's. I, I like. Like, listen. I'm I think part of what makes. I think. I think part of what makes no code, no code, 
is think of any no-code tool. You open up Bubble, and what do you see? You open up Webflow, what do you see? You open up, you know, what, what you, you see a blank canvas, uh, and it's a place where you you build from nothing. Now, do you have templates? Sure. Just like anything else, they're templates, and you can start. Uh, give Like, am I going to get a blank canvas in Shopify? No, it's like, pick a theme, okay? Pick Pick a theme. Great, I picked a theme. Now, oh, I don't really like this one. This one looks, oh, I've got to pay for that one. Okay, so like that one looks really tight, but I'm going to have to outlay, I'm going to lay out some money for that. And then if I truly want to customize it because I needed this element in a sidebar or on a hero, I'm going to have to hire a developer. Now they have a whole marketplace for that where you can get somebody to do that. And that's really cool. Like, I think that's awesome. I just, to me, Shopify doesn't have a, a listing of, no code experts to help you no code your solution. Right. They have a list of developers and, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, developers build no code tools. We talk about that all the time. I just, you know, when you think about opening up those other pieces, it's truly a blank canvas to start from Shopify. Isn't it? Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, I think Shopify is unparalleled in terms of functionality. Like uh, uh, right now, as much as I wish I could recommend Webflow e-commerce to other people, I literally cannot because the functions and the plugins and the marketplace that they've built and the system that they built is second to none. Um, They just have the whole solution in one package. And I think they do it really, really, really well. Yeah, it's, I mean, I'm not saying like, um, I, I I get it. Like Shopify just has like all these features, right? Like I've stood up an e-commerce store in Webflow. It's awesome. But you know, like when you have a client who comes to you and they're like, I need subscriptions and digital downloads and all these things. Like I'm, I cleverly think of all the no code ways I can hack this into reality. Right. Like, and just, Oh, I could connect this and this and this and this and this. And, but I'm doing a lot of extra work when it's like Shopify out of the box. We'll, we'll just do it. And so yeah, you know, once again, this is not meant to throw shade at anybody. Absolutely. But, but it it is a conversation we had. Now, you're right, Toby may not come on. I just I'm like <laughs> he, he might never come on anyway. So, but, you know, I don't know. Like I personally am just I read that tweet and I giggled a little bit because I'm like it's hard to like as like Shopify's like the gorilla in the room for yeah. e-commerce and it's like how could anybody ignore it? Like I don't, or not, not give credit where credit's due. I don't know. Yeah. Like I, that part was weird to me. So it, it just resonated weird. So I agree. I agree. I we, we were talking about, we were like, you know what? Let's just stop and record this. because <laughs> why, are, why are we not talking about this on the podcast? So anyway, no code roundup for the week. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, so like I said this week, it's not us just blabbing about some tool. We actually have an interview uh, with Bram of No Code MVP, and uh, it was a really great talk. We really enjoyed uh, hanging out with him, and we hope you enjoy this, uh, this conversation. We have a lot more of these coming, and we can't wait to talk to you next week. Bye. Well, Bram, thank you so much for being here with us. We are really excited to talk with you and learn more about your background and No Code MVP and how all of this kind of came together. So initially, you were the first person that I found in the no-code space when I started doing some research, and I saw no-code MVP was like just barely getting started. So it's fun to me to be able to interview you and talk with you today because you were like my first person that I started watching slash stalking online of like, awesome. what, what is he doing? <laughs> what, you know, what is he building? So I'm really excited to have you here so- today. Thanks, thanks. Yeah, like I just said to you off uh, off mic. Uh, thank, thanks to you as well for inviting me. Um, I just heard I'm the first interview, so uh, I'm super excited for this. I, I love what you guys have been doing, and um, so. But my first question to you actually would be like, how did you find me? Like I always ask people like when they random email me or DM me, like how did you find me? Because I'm always like super intrigued by how the internet works. You know, I really yeah. love, love the internet and I always, you know, experience that if you create something, people will find it, you know, if okay. it's valuable. And then even years later, people reach, reach out to me about something I made before. And then I'm always super intrigued. Like, how did you find me? Because I have no clue. Like yeah. I, I I'm on Twitter, but 
that's basically it. Right, right. I think it was through going through some Google rabbit holes that happens to me frequently. Um, you can ask Ben and Matt. I find the most random things that I'm like, oh, this is useful. Um, on okay, Google. cool. <laughs> and so I, I think it was through probably, you know, having no code in no code MVP is going to pull you up in, yeah. in search rankings. Um, and then, you know, even a year ago, there was hardly anything with the domain of no code. And so, um, so that's kind of how I found it. And I think uh, no code MVP was just kind of like a real basic landing page. You were outlining kind of like, here's, here's what's coming. <clears throat> As yeah. you were working through it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, maybe that's fun to share. Um, so so I had the idea for the course, No Code MVP, I think two and a half years ago or something. And so also the landing page that you found, I, I basically put it up at that time and um, I got on beta list. And, and my first goal was to, you know, eventually get 500 subscribers. And then I would um, commit to, to creating the course. And during... Well, the last two and a half years. So a few months later, uh, my girlfriend, well, after after I got the idea, my girlfriend um, gave birth, birth to our boy. Mm-hmm. And at that moment, um, she got offered her dream job. So I told her, you're go- going to pursue the dream job and I'll stay at home. I, I already had the plan to stay at home for two months, but eventually that turned into one year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, now he's almost turning two. But at that time, like I was just uh, a stay-at-home dad. So for yeah. the first six months before he went to daycare, um, I didn't feel like working on the course or working on anything. I, I of course, also was really tired. So, yeah, right, right. so I didn't work on it. And then slowly um, he went to daycare two days a week. And then when he was uh, one and a half years old, he went um, three days a week. And so I slowly started working on the course. And now I launched it um, last month. And, and I think if I launched it before... Um, nobody would have noticed because the whole no code thing wasn't a thing. And I think that's also how you found, found me before. Um, yeah, I think I was one of the few websites that actually had no code in it. Um, so yeah, I thought maybe that, that, that's a fun thing to share because I think the wave is still ongoing, you know, Uh as the example is, is also what you, what you guys are doing with the podcast and and the school you're, you're setting up. Um, so, um, it was, uh, uh, yeah, good for me to, to wait until, um, just recently that I launched, uh, launched the course. Yeah. What were, what were you using to stand up the initial no code MVP website? Uh, same, same, my whole stack. So I'm, I'm really using, you know, it's, it's, I'm, I'm really dog fooding what I'm advocating. <laughs> okay. Um, cool. and, and, um, maybe that's also fun to talk about because I know that you guys are also really into, uh, well, Ben is at Webflow, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and we all have, I think, different skill sets and, and interests. And, um, I think the idea for the course also came from at one, at one point I just had this no code stack just my personal stack, like Card, Zapier, Airtable, uh, you know, Google Docs, Google Drive, Google Google Sheets, a review for a newsletter. And I thought, okay, well, this is a fun, like, little stack. I can basically do anything with it. Like, uh, um, I have basic HTML and CSS skills and super, super basic design skills. Um, but I could get pretty far with just this stack. So also the first website, um, you know, made with Card, automated with Zapier, all the email addresses and names put into a Google sheet, basically. Um, and if you look up, I think the f- very first website uh, version that I shared on Twitter looked horrendous, like su- super weird blue and green. And I don't know. So it's kind of evolved over time. I just basically, I steal designs from one page love and I just mm-hmm. try to recreate and pick the things that I like. And then I combine like six websites into now something that's my own. Gotcha. So I think I found you on Twitter, Bram, and I just wanted to, I wanted to quickly, because uh, Lacey has a bunch of questions, but I, I, before we jump into that, I wanted to just give you some props because I don't know, like Twitter can be a terrible and horrifying place. <laughs> and, uh, and I found you because you were given some really solid advice uh, to somebody around no code pieces. And I was, my immediate thought was, first of all, Bram gets it. And this dude is super cool. Like just uh, building into the community and being so kind. And so I wanted to say thanks for that. I I feel like every time I come across you on Twitter, it's you're, you're helping someone or, or you're throwing out some really great thoughts and uh, you know, 
being a thought leader. And I, I don't know. I appreciate it. I think it's good stuff. And, and I've always en- enjoyed your Twitter game for sure. Thanks, uh-huh. man. Yeah, I, I, I really, really appreciate that. And in the end, um, I, I always think, um, I, some, I think maybe I tweeted that to you before, like teamwork makes dream work, you know. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I, I always thought, and this is a different story, but when, when I made Startup Stash like a few years ago and it blew up on Product Hunt, that really showed me like the power of the internet. Like you can be a one-man band and if you create something that is valuable for others, people will find you. And... Um, yeah, I, I I I really like that that is actually possible. Um, plus, I really like the you know there's a lot of things that people say about Silicon Valley, but the whole mindset of Silicon Valley, like paying it forward, helping other people, and uh, also before we started to talk, I mentioned Gary Vaynerchuk. Same, you know, we can have a discussion around him. But there was one thing that I learned from him, and he always says, you know, you have to give without expectation. And then if something comes back in return, it'll always be like two, three, four, maybe a tenfold of what you gave to someone else. And, you know, if you combine that with Twitter, you know, you can help one person. So I didn't even help you, but you saw it, right? And then uh-huh. you you see what I'm about. And so I really think that Twitter, if you use it in the right way, and I'm also still figuring it out, I'm just winging it, um, can really amplify that um, you know, behavior if you help other people publicly. Um, yeah. So thanks. Thanks for that. I'm, I'm just trying to do my best. I don't know. <laughs> You're doing great. No, I, I completely agree with that philosophy. I mean, I've, we talk about it all the time as a group, how, you know, uh, it, there's a lot of value in just being kind and, and giving to others because, a, a, you know, a rising tide, it does raise all ships. It's not like there's not enough out there for everybody. And so, uh, I just, I don't know. I love how you're building into community. It's, it's great. Thank you. Most cool. definitely. So I would like to start back before no code, like back in your childhood, like, have you always been entrepreneurial? Was that something that was encouraged in your family? How I, I did hear that you originally were on Napster ripping music. And I loved that because I was doing the same thing and selling CDs yes. to people. And so was that something that, you know, was fostered in your family? How did you kind of, was that just yeah. something you continue? Yeah, that's, that's, that's cool. I mean, we're matching on screen. I, I, we're having a call here. Uh, people can see that in a podcast, but we both have our Patagonia gear on, but I did, the, I did exactly the same when I was younger. I, I pirated music. I'm sorry. Then I burned them, you know, on, on CDs. I had like these towers, three towers of CD burners. I think like 24, 24 like burners in total. So I was burning these CDs and creating like this custom design for um, the CD casing. I was selling them in school. And then from the proceeds, I held parties with my friends. Um, one of them even became a, a, a famous DJ, which is funny. Uh, another story as well. Um, but yeah, and 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 it's cool that you ask about like um, it wasn't really I think in my family. I always grew up with my my mom, but she was really um, into tech. Like I, I later realized, I think she had one of the first smart or like smart like mobile phones in the Netherlands, like this big Motorola brick with the antenna. Um, and I know I remember that once we were sitting on a in front of a cafe, you know, outside in like a province in the Netherlands, but not, uh, you know, near Amsterdam or whatever, just really like in the, in the countryside. Um, and she got a call and we were on, on this terrace outside and she took the call and all these people around us were like, Whoa, what is this? What is this woman doing? And I I can remember that vividly. And I always thought that was so cool. Like, uh, that, that she adopted that and same for internet at our house. She always bought like the newest computer, um, I should I should call her later and ask her like where that came from because I have no clue. Right. Um, but we always had like the newest computer and we had internet. And so, you know, at that time the internet was, you know, when you were on the internet, you couldn't make a call. Um, so she was always shouting upstairs, like, please get off the computer. I need to make a call. And I was always just interneting right. um, and trying out new services and products. And I think that's kind of where my fascination for like internet products came from. Mm-hmm. Um and just recently I figured out like why that is. And I think that's about time. So there's so many ideas and ideas are just ideas. There are stories, you know? Um, and even if you hear an idea and you think, okay, that's a bad idea or it's never going to work, there's still people working on that idea. So somewhere in that idea, there's a certain 
thing that makes them go, okay, I need to spend more time or money or resources on this. And that always intrigued me. Like I always want to figure out like what, what's that one part of the idea that they see and that I don't. And um, yeah, I think that's, that's kind of how I got started with like yeah. in, internet and entrepreneurial stuff. Right. Right. And so did you kind of carry that because you went to medical school, right? Mm-hmm. So how, yeah. how did that transition kind of happen from kind of entrepreneurship to medical school? Yeah, I, I, I've read about this recently as well. Like a lot of people eventually do what they, um, uh, or, or like they find a study or they have a job in whatever they thought was fun when they were younger, right? So when we were talking about the Napster era, this was me 15, 16 years old. And I don't know, at one point I forgot or something. I don't know. I really wanted to become a doctor. I went to medical school or first uh, I didn't get in and I did political sciences for four months, Mm -hmm. Um, dropped out. Then I eventually got into med school, did that for two years. Then I had to call my mom again. I'm dropping out. Yeah. (laughs) And um, yeah, at that moment I went to Australia, like this soul searching trip, you know, like super cliche, but when you're like really alone, far away from home, you think about, okay, what, what do I enjoy doing and what industry is interesting? And at one point it just all clicked and was like, man, why aren't you doing anything with internet stuff and entrepreneurship? And so I eventually sought out um, a study in Amsterdam that, um, you know, was in that field and um, started that and finished that also. So um, eventually I, I, I got there, but there were a few years where I forgot what I really enjoyed doing when I was younger and um, still no clue why. I don't know. Yeah, no, no, I think that makes perfect sense. Was was your mom, like, did she have reservations about you leaving medical school to kind of pursue this unknown? Yeah, so her, her first question was, so what are you going to do? And then I said, well, I'm going to Australia. And then she's like, okay, yeah, sure. And then two weeks later, I was on the plane to uh, Australia. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, but she was like, okay, well, you need to have have a job when you get back or make sure you have a limited budget in Australia. So you also need to work in Australia. And then like during my time in Australia, I also, you know, uh, found a study and applied. And um, so when I got home, I, I had to work for four months and then I got into, you know, starting the, the study eventually. Yeah, You're a real self-starter, huh? Like you're pretty self-disciplined. I feel like, I mean, getting into medical school is no small feat in itself. And like being, building what you have built over this course of time is also no small feat. So do you consider yourself pretty self-disciplined? It doesn't take, like, you know what, what your, you know, what your yeah. MO is and you know what drives you each morning. And like, that's what pushes you. Have you had that um, always? I don't think there's an MO, like, like something that I can really share. I, I think it's just like genuine interest or something. I think, um, so when I was doing this study that I eventually chose, like uh, the, the, lecturers they told me like you're such a generalist that that's a real trap like you have to become a specialist and all these things and it never bothered me that they said that like I was always like but what like the world is so huge like why should I become uh, a specialist and of course you need uh, people that are a specialist in certain roles but I really felt that that wasn't for me um, but yeah I don't think there's an MO it's just really following what I think is like deeply interesting or, or something. And maybe that also ties back to what Ben said um, before. Like, I'm just really interested in people working on ideas. And, you know, you right. can sit you can sit me down with like two different companies each day for the next year and I'll have an amazing time. Like, that's, the, that's what I love to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, so, yeah, I, I think maybe I'm just also a true geek uh, you know, same as Lacey just said, you know, you see one subject and you go into the internet click hole of this certain subject. And then, you know, one week later, you're a semi expert right. or whatever, right. because you read like all the things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that's where it came from. And, and the other, other thing, I'm like a huge, huge perfectionist. And so that's, that, that has always been my biggest challenge, like to, to figure out, okay, what's, up until here and no further, right? So there, there, you have to get to a point where you um, ask help from other people or really ship that thing that you've been working on or publish that video or that tweet or um, whatever. So yeah, I, I think that's like both a strength and, um, 
and a weakness. But in the in the beginning of an idea, it really gets you going because you are you know focusing your your yeah. um, like attention to different areas Definitely. of the thing that you have to do. Um, but at one point, you you have to let go. So you have to get help or just ship the thing or yeah. or tweet the thing. Right. And I want to touch back on you saying you're a generalist. So I, I would also consider myself a generalist. We have many commonalities between us that I yeah, cool. didn't realize until this call. <laughs> um, so also being a generalist. And I remember I was in a situation uh, with a previous employer and basically they were saying, they're like, we don't have a specific skill set. And I was like, right, I have multiple skill sets. They're like, yeah, but we're looking for like a specific one. And I was like, I remember thinking is like, well, I can do that and I can do five other things. Why on earth would I want to focus on one thing? And it was actually really crushing to me. Um, and it really like, it, it kind of devastated me in a way because it was like, I can do so many things. Why do I want to pigeonhole myself into one mm-hmm. specific area? And it wasn't until I read Company of One by Paul Jarvis and he talks about the generalist. And that to me was like the most freeing concept of like, yeah. oh, I'm not some weird offshoot. Like people like me do exist. And so it's really encouraging to hear that that you're also one of those people. Yeah, I, 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 I think I had the same epiphany with that book. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny that I, I read that book last year and I, I, before I had these like thoughts around, you know, I think, I think it's okay what I'm doing. Uh, you know, the path that I started. Um, and then I read that book and I was like, yeah, that's, um, you know, I, I, I always believed in the fact, or I never believed in the fact that you actually need to raise like a lot of money and seed rounds or especially or like all the things that are happening now. Um, like you can just build a sustainable business that's enough for you. And of course, enough is different for, for everyone. Um, but especially now that, you know, when I became a father and my girlfriend has a really busy job, I'm, I'm just like super focused on, on creating something that's like maybe max like 10 or 15 K a month or mm-hmm. whatever. And then, we are living super large here and that's more, more than enough for me. And that's already like a super big and nice challenge to, you know, get there. And even if I'm at six, I'm already okay. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's, that's funny that for me also in the company of one book, like that all came, came together. Um, Mm -hmm. and like I said before, like there's going to be a point where you are, um, you know, forced to get outside help on whatever subject that is when you're doing something. Um, right. But I think that's also like a luxury problem. That means you're doing something that works and you have right. to fix it, right? So Right, right. Definitely. But I don't know. To me, it sounds like you're the kind of person who the joy is in the building, right? Like you just, there's something about, I, I mean, I I love that curiosity and cause I'm the same way. I'm like, I wonder if I can like, there are times I have no, it's not for a client. It's not for a project. I'm just like, Hey, I wonder if I could do this mm-hmm. just because I saw somebody ask a question and I'm like, oh, yeah. and then I find myself down a rabbit hole making it work. And then I'm like, well, I might as well make a tutorial out of this because somebody yeah. asked like, there's just a lot of, I mean, not only just for your own work, but there's a lot of joy in just figuring out how those pieces work. Well, that's that second part. Like, um, creating a tutorial from that um, to me is even um, a better thought out because I've done so many calls and so many things for other people that I never recorded. So like two weeks ago, I had a, a call with a guy and after one hour, he was like, damn, we should have recorded this call. And I was like, mm-hmm. yes, <laughs> uh, it, this is like the 30th or 50th time maybe that someone told me that. And so um, I think, um, and I also talked about this with uh, Aaron uh, Cornbilt mm-hmm. last week. Like he, 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 we were talking about you know what makes you an expert on whatever subject eventually becomes normal to you or easy or whatever, and that's why you can also easily help someone. But for that person, it's like oh my god, this this person really helped me out. And um, if you're too um, humble about that, it won't pay you back does that make sense right so if you don't share it or a screenshot or a video or uh whatever then nobody else will see it and then it's just for you which is fine but um like creating that tutorial and sharing that 
um, I think eventually will help you in uh, showing off your skills more and then still in a genuine way. But I think for everyone who's like um, just humble and interested, that's like a, a, a difficult step to take because it feels like you're selling out or something. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think that's that's personally also a really interesting challenge um, for me to still see that, you know, after all these hours putting in, you know, into a certain subject, uh, I think I can call myself an expert on, on a few of those things, but I'm still like, I don't, I don't want to, you know, talk about that every day or, or something. So I, I'm, I'm also still looking for like a genuine way to, to be able to share that. But how do you, how do you fight that? Cause this is, this is something that you touched on an interesting point. Like when, when you know a subject, people want to ask you about that subject all the time. How do you, how do you like personally, like, uh, how do you how do you stay fresh and energetic and enthusiastic about something when you're like, oh, this question again? Like, <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good point because before you said like uh, that I seem like a person who enjoys building, which is totally right. Um, like I started uh, two companies before, and I'm not the person who is running the company or playing business or playing, you know, being a company. Um, I just like the creation. Uh, part so also for example with the course now um, my main challenge was to turn this thing that's in my head and all the like mental models and all the frameworks that I had in my head I wanted to turn that into you know a scalable content product and the course is just um, a way of doing that but my my main goal was to just finish that and now the real work basically begins uh, trying to um, make people care about what I made and for me that's still you know for every product that's the same challenge and so that's also where I think the personal growth is somewhere you know figuring figure, figuring that out is dif- different for any product right. that you create and so yeah I think I'm in the midst of that too I'm also just learning like just like everyone uh, just winging it and and trying to figure it out <laughs> That's another thing that I, I think you do really well. You address those challenges head on versus we actually talked about this on, on a, one of our previous podcast episodes about you. And it was like, you understand that, like, you understand how to actually monetize the things you're working on. You know, shipping is important, but you know, if you're always shipping free products or if you're never adding any value to anyone, like how are you going to monetize this and turn this into a sustainable living? And I feel like you've just like cracked the code on that for, for yourself. Like you understand how to dive first into those uh, head on into those challenges and, you know, overcome them. Where, whereas I think that's a problem for a lot of the no code community. People don't know how to um, monetize products. Do you have any tips on that? on monetizing products or subscriptions or anything like that? Yeah. To, to be honest, for me, um, the, the pricing for the course, for example, was a big, um, you know, thought process. Like, uh, to be honest, I think it's worth maybe, maybe even up to $2,000 or something like that. You know, like for, for me, uh, this is, um, more than I think six or seven years of, of experience, um, for example, I did my, I did my final paper of my study on lean startup. And, um, so that's, I don't know, almost 10, 10 years ago or something like that. And so I think I took maybe, I don't know, 30,000 hours and turned them into five and a half. Um, and so, yeah, how do you put a price on that? And, and maybe even a step before that, like, how do you, turn those things that are normal or simple to you into like a structured approach. Right. That for me was the biggest challenge. Um, and then still, I think it could be simpler than what I eventually um, have put life now, but then, you know, your ego comes into play and you think, okay, if I do it even more simpler, then it wouldn't make sense anymore. Right. And then this would be a 10 hour course and nobody would take that. So there's like a, a, a distinctive or like a thin balance between how simple do I want to create mm-hmm. uh, or, or make something so that I can, you know, talk to more people or, or it can be interesting to more people. Uh, but it doesn't have to get too simple that it's not any fun for me anymore or something like that. And so the pricing for that, yeah. So that was really difficult for me. Um, I eventually ended up with like 200 
69 euros, which is just below $300. So I didn't really want to go over the $300 um, mm-hmm. amount. I don't know why. Um, I've had people that told me, you know, like you have to make it like 799 or something. And I'm like, I'm, I don't know. I think I'm too humble to even do that. So <laughs> maybe that's uh, um, a flaw. I don't know. In business sense, you know, but yeah. How do you, how do you get to the pricing? I think, you know, even um, I was just looking, looking into a tool that I'm thinking about maybe buying. Um, and I was looking at the, at the pricing that they have now. And I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't even know how you get to this because in, in the end it's about, you know, how many, how much time do you save? Basically, basically every product is selling time, right? Even if you're replacing two people with a certain tool, then it's still in the end, it's all about time. And, you know, time is, um, uh, priced in many different ways for many different people and companies and so i really think that in the beginning you have to get to a certain amount of users or customers and then really you know dive into how they are using it and also get to learn them more in order to figure out okay what is this really um worth so yeah you can test the pricing in the beginning but sometimes i think okay well maybe you should just get people on even for free or like a super low Mm -hmm. number and then um, you know, survive um, for as long as you can in order to get enough information to eventually get to the pricing. Right. Um, so yeah, I I'm not sure if that's a total answer to to your question, but no, okay. yeah, definitely. Let, I think that's let me say it like this. So depending on the product, I think anyone should and could sell like ten or a hundred or two to ten or a hundred or a thousand customers. Like depending on the product, you have to get to a certain amount of users or customers in order. F- um, for you to figure out um, who of these customers are my perfect customers. So if I sell to 100 right. people, uh, sometimes they just buy it because uh, they think I'm nice. And sometimes they buy it because I really address the problem um, right. in a right way. Right. So let's say you get to 100. Then you want to figure out from these 100, how, how many people are my perfect customers. And then let's say these people, there are 20 people that are your perfect customer. And then you really want to dive into them. Okay, what's their acceptable pricing? How can I find you know, yeah. another 20 of these people and then a hundred and then on and on and on. And that's, I think the right way to grow a product because you, if you keep, you know, doing it like shotgun style, just selling to everyone who passes your store, then you never get to the point where you can scale um, right. the, the product and the business to, to like more people. Yeah, for sure. I love that. Yeah. that's So that's my answer. <laughs> yeah. That's a really helpful perspective. I like that a lot. And that, so, so let's talk about no code MVP, what you've just launched. And so for you, who would you say like, and and if you don't want to share, that's fine, but like, who's your target audience, your target group there that, and are you sifting through that now? Yeah. um, So I, I don't think I'm at that number yet where I can like really go through it. Um, but my initial thoughts of of creating the course is I, I read once somewhere that maybe like one percent of people know how to code or some, something like that. Um, and so I I don't really believe that all the good ideas are with the people that can code, right? So I I really want to empower the people that can't code. Um, um, so that's I think more like marketing people, product people, um, you know, who, whoever has an entrepreneurial idea. Um, that they, you know, want to pursue or at least figure out if they should pursue it. Um, and in the end, it's it's called no code MVP. Um, but I think maybe thirty percent of the course is about like the actual no code tools, and seventy percent is about what I think is is the right mindset and approach and um, way for someone to figure out like how. How can I figure out if I should pursue this within a certain time frame? Um, um, yeah, and then if you need to build an MVP, uh, then I also show them the, the tools that they can use to build that eventually without um, code. So um, I think, yeah, the people that I'm targeting are, are on the non-technical people on, let's say, the business and product and, and marketing side. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. That makes total sense. And how's the launch going since since you've launched? Have you been happy with it? 
Yeah, so I, I didn't really know what to expect. Like, I also read the blog post of people that say, you know, I made 30K in a week with my course launch and uh, whatever. And so when you talk about, um, you know, what's what's the the milestone or the benchmark you set for yourself, that's really difficult because you can read an article like that, but um, this is not... Um, the thing I made is not the same as the thing that they made or my audience is not the same as their audience. So it's really, basically it's really irrelevant to, to read um, blog posts like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think uh, now more than a hundred people are enrolled. Um, so in terms of amount of people, I think I'm, I'm super happy mm-hmm. and um, I didn't really have like a launch goal or something. So my goal now is to just get as much people in there as possible, get reviews to, you know, share. Uh, so thanks again for that, Ben, as well. Um, because, yeah, I mean, I can talk about it all day, like why it's awesome or whatever, but I'd rather have like other people uh, share their experience and, and what they think of it. And up until now, um, I think I had two refunds. One person um, looked at three videos and said, I'm not interested. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not even getting into discussion. And the other person uh, asked me, like, "Do you have Spanish subtitles?" And I'm like, "No." And then he said, "Okay, I'm not interested because <laughs> my English is not that good." I'm like, "Okay," so I'm not really. I'm not really arguing about that. And um, yeah, up until now, the reviews are are yeah. It's super satisfying to read like the value that people found and also that people see like how much time I I put in it because. Um, yeah, I mean, that's really encouraging that people see the value that I'm trying to deliver to them. There's right. a lot to it. I mean, the 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 thinking behind it, you know, I loved I loved watching the videos and hearing you state the case. It, it was about mindset. It was about how to frame things. Uh, and I just loved that piece of it. I thought it was so good. I thought it was so good. Yeah, I, and I think that's, maybe that's even the main thing that I want to, get across you know i've sat down with so many people so my first job actually after my study was at an investor like at a small investor and i've sat down with so many people who were like yeah yeah i have this idea and i'm trying to raise money and i'm like okay yeah show me your product and they were like no 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 i'm raising money to build a product and i was like are you like no don't don't be like that like you have to if you get the money, what are you going to do? That, that was always my question. Like, what the hell are you going to do, right? So where's the, where's the proof? This is just a story. Um, and telling a story is not that difficult. So you have to find the proof. And, um, you know, if you pitch someone for money, then you're basically saying, okay, I'm at point A, I'm going to point B. But what most people are forgetting um, but they forget to tell us like how they got to point A, right? Like what went well, what didn't go well? Like how many people did you talk to? How many, like what's the evidence and what's the data? Or what are the insights that you gathered um, in order to show and convince me that I should in fact give you uh, money? And yeah, most people just talk about the idea. And um, also like in the, I have a company workshop um, from the course and there's one slide that has, uh, you know, pitch your idea. And then like the, I work with teams and they all have an idea. Like they pitch their idea. And the pitches are always about the end product. I'm going to create this and this and this to do this and this and this. And then the next slide in the presentation is nobody cares about your idea. And my my goal there is to, um, to show them that they all talk about the solution and nobody pitches uh, the problem. It's mostly about the mindset, like stay objective about your idea. Ideas aren't worth anything. Just gather the proof or just ditch the idea and go on. Like you don't have to dwell in the idea because it's worth nothing. So you have to, you know, do shit and gather the evidence and figure out if you should pursue it or not. And if not, then fine, whatever. Um, Yeah, that's maybe that's the shortest summary of the course. (laughs) Yeah. No, I think that's wonderful. And if y'all are listening to this, go check out Bram's course. It's awesome. Matt's gone through it. I'm going to buy go through it. I'm sorry, not Matt. Ben has. Um, because it, I think it's really valuable to this community and it's the price point is also fantastic. So I don't think you can get that anywhere else. I, and I really think you could have tripled it. 
like that. I mean, especially after seeing all the reviews that have come in that you posted yeah. about on Twitter, like that's high, high praise. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like so the value too. is definitely there. Maybe, maybe we'll do that later. But for now, um, yeah, I, I'm going to stick to it. Or maybe in this podcast, I should, I should say, you know, prices are, go, <laughs> are going yeah, up. Yeah, they're going up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it, I'll stick with this for now. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on with us today. And we're really excited for everyone to hear this. And you've shared such wonderful insight and thoughts to consider that I'm, I think this is going to be very, very helpful. It's been helpful to me. So I'm sure it's going to be helpful to other people. Well, thanks to you again for inviting me. And um, I'm excited to hear the end result. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People are going to love it. Thanks for joining us. Thanks. All right. Bye. See ya. Thanks for listening to visualdev.fm. You can find us on your favorite social media platform at visualdev.fm. 